0: These
1: originals. Now. It's time for
2: strong and stable. Strong and stable, 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 strong and stable. Welcome to Strong and Stable, the podcast. Strong and stable, as we now know from the Tory election campaign, being Cockney rhyming slang for totally unable. This is a podcast which promises to look at the election with all the delicacy and refinement of a Donald Trump handshake. My name is David Schneider, I'm your host, and I've promised to be more impartial than the former president of Oxford University's Conservative Association, BBC's presenter Nick Robinson. (laughs) Coming up later, we've got another five, possibly ten, twenty years of Tory rule, but back to the show. Coming up later, we've got Jonathan Pye and Rory Bremner. But joining me in the studio today, we have offering strong and stable leadership. It's the comedian Bob Mills. Hello, Bob. Hello, David. For the many, not the few, it's stand-up Josie Long. Hello, Josie. Hello. And insert whatever the Lib Dem slogan is here. I've no idea what it is. And no doubt still hung over from former colleague Katie Hopkins' leaving party to which she wasn't (laughs) invited, LBC presenter and journalist James O'Brien. Hello, James. Hello, hello. (laughs) Hello. Well, we'll be hearing more from our guests in a moment. But first, it seems like hardly any time since Theresa May headed to Buckingham Palace to notify the Queen of the election, proof, according to Tory HQ, of the Prime Minister getting out and about meeting ordinary people. (laughs) For those of you who've slept through the past few weeks, and if you have done how I envy you, the election basically boils down to a choice between loads of free money for everything you want, that's Labour, and sitting in your own wee for hours when you're old. The terrible events in Manchester brought terrorism and national security to the front of the election campaign. The Tories were quick to say that Corbyn couldn't be trusted with the nation's security, as when faced with a terrorist threat, he'd be completely incapable of doing the right thing, which is to cut police numbers by 19,000 while threatening to end security cooperation with the EU. Meanwhile, Corbyn was forced to admit that, yes, he did talk to the IRA, but he didn't inhale. Meanwhile, UKIP tried to bask in their excellent local election results where they managed to win overall control of Tory policy. But UKIP's support is now falling faster than a Chelsea player in the Arsenal box. In fact, you could say they're at breaking point with voters telling them to go back where they came from, which is pleasingly ironic. OK, here we are, guests. Have you been enjoying... James, have you enjoyed enjoying the election so far?
3: <laughs> On a professional level, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, everything's up for grabs. It's all very unprecedented. <laughs> On a personal level, as a, as a father... Um, it's, it's heartbreaking to see the choice essentially boiling down to, to a rock and a hard place, isn't it? I mean, yeah. In terms of the two main leaders, I, I can't see anyone conjuring up much passion um Objectively speaking, I appreciate Mr. Corbyn engenders an awful lot of passion, but from from a from a wavering voter, a floating voter, neither of them are offering a package that I find particularly tempting. I
2: like the way you say as a father or something that Andrea Leadsom would have got
3: approval of. That's what I was sort of trying to <coughs> trying to channel, and then I thought channeling Andrea. Where's she gone? There you go. There's an indication of how remarkable British politics has been over the last twelve months. She she was nearly prime minister.
2: And um, what about you then? Before? Again,
4: professionally, they're, they're golden days. <laughs> oh. You see, I'm an, an old. I've been a long time being stand-up comic and I started during Thatcher and they were the glory years because it was like pantomime, you had a big devil and and it was wonderful Uh, and then we had that terrible time for comedy of Blair and Obama. Very confusing. Oh, it was so confusing because no one knew what to be angry about. Thank God for the about. Iraq War. And then the, 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 the Falklands came; that was good for comedy. The Iraq War came, uh, but now this is fantastic. It's almost like having Thatcher back, you know, and
2: and it, it's a golden age. Golden age, Josie. Would you agree with that?
0: See, I think I'm from a. I'm definitely from a different comedic generation, aren't I? All and right, I rub think... in. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think it is really interesting to look at it uh, uh, in terms of eras, because when I first sort of came of age and started doing stand-up, it was under a Labour government and a lot of comedy was really apolitical, I think, Mm -hmm. as a result of it. Like, I definitely started, the first few shows I wrote were about kind of DIY arts culture and about lifelong learning and stuff like that, and I really felt like... You know, all of us were, you know, in retrospect, very complacent and very lucky that we were brought up under this government that at least notionally felt like it was on our side. And then, basically, when your Tories and uh, your Lib Dems got in in 2010, it it was such a shock for like the whole comedy community and everyone sort of discovering politics, freaking out. And whilst I do sort of agree that like, yeah, like especially the last couple of years, it's been, you know, so intense and so difficult and so full of like rightness at the same time like i would always say like so when the tories first got in in 2010 my friend turned to me and she said oh you're gonna have so much material now and i was like yeah but i would rather have schools and hospitals <laughs> <laughs> and really? I feel- are you sure <laughs> oh, I me and bob are going then. come on <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting i i definitely would say that i'm of, of a different opinion to you guys about where i stand about the election uh personally and politically i'm still Perhaps crazily optimistic about it. I just feel like there's something in the air. And I also would even disagree about Corbyn. Like, I do have a nuanced view on Corbyn. Like, I get there's lots of reasons not to vote for him. He's too cute. Um, rappers like him too much. Because of yeah. jokes. Um, yeah. no, I, I, do, I do get that he's problematic in a number of ways. And I do, you know, but at the same time, you know, even just last night, uh, watching him on television, seeing somebody who, who is humane and measured and talking about listening, it, I think that is very attractive to people and I think it is very refreshing for people. And I don't know. Yeah, I, no, no, no. We'll no i
4: tell you what, you're, you're right at that because we're different, slightly different ends of the political spectrum. I'm not a, a terrible right-wing monster but i was i go up to Granton once year to have a lunch on the anniversary of the baroness's death and we were a few of the two, we were talking about that and one thing that brexit and trump have taught us is that uh, forget anything to do with opinion polls they they count for nothing
2: so there's i don't think any complacency at all from 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 the sort of right i thought i thought that paxman interview was really interesting i mean first of all we got Paxman, who's clearly not done an interview for, uh, what, showed, since the last it? day, it was like, I remember, you have yes. to ask questions, but he <laughs> d- completely forgot you have to wait for answers, and it? it was just like asking questions. But I thought... Corbs did, he did, very, it was a bit, he was very suave. He's this sort of the new James Bond Corbin. It's like doing a sort of Roger Moore. He did, he almost had the eyebrow going. Yes, it was board. like, yes, I did <laughs> say. I did say that the uh, Falklands was a Tory plot. Can I have a martini? It was, it was, very, it was very But suave. just going
4: back to Paxford, you're, you're right, watching him, it took him a while to get into Australia and he reminded me of a comic who hadn't been on stage Is that for a right? while. Yes. He hadn't been on stage for a while and he was a bit sort of bumbling. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute. I remember the big thing I did. Remember when I kept asking that bloke that question yes. all the time? That got a huge laugh, that bit. I'll just do that now. <laughs> yeah. I'll just keep banging it. And
1: suddenly, hits. There
2: was a couple of times where you thought, no, Jerry's answered. They have actually answered. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was, but but then you got the morning after the night. So Corbs does really well, I thought, again, you know, against Paxman. Mm. And then he does this thing on Woman's Hour where he forgets some some costing. You know. <laughs> yeah, but, go on.
0: Yeah. I mean... It's all well and good to say, oh, he forgot, he forgot the costume, right? Firstly, he must be knackered, right? Secondly, sure. um, and more importantly, the reason that wouldn't happen to the Conservatives is they because they cost. have no costings, yeah. and it's disgusting. Like, if you look at the standards to which the, the Labour Party are being held up to standards which, even when they make them, they're like, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. The Conservative Party are not being scrutinised at all, and when they are scrutinised, they're either backtracking on manifesto commitments, which has never happened before, or they're just, like, bluffing and you know completely yeah,
3: that's true. a u-turn a u-turn on a manifesto commitment between publication and polling is is unprecedented but when ken clark says you don't need to cost everything because that way you're putting the chancellor in handcuffs this makes you both right and wrong i think josie because they're not doing it to the conservatives but labor aren't in a strong enough position to explain why they don't need to cost everything so the mistake corbyn made this morning was answering i do to the question when when he was asked have you got the figure he said, "I do," mm. and that means that that essentially he's, he's it's open season. Then you can pursue him for that figure until yeah. the PR comes in and drags him out, or the microphone. But uh, it is
2: it is unfair. It's not a level playing field. No, it's not, it's not uh, it's a, and all it's the playing not. fields have been sold off under the Tories, <laughs> haven't they, Josie? Um, but it's, it's not, not level because left. you know if you were Tory, they, they. I mean, she said it uh, yeah. in, with Paxman and with the crowd. Um, she just says, "Well, we'll we'll sort it out after the election." It's like buying a house but you don't know how much it's going to cost and you don't know what the house is going to look like. But Labour have to tell you, have to show you all the details.
3: And I don't like this new mode of interviewing where you trip them up on something that isn't evidence of uh, insincerity or dishonesty. He just, the number exists, they just couldn't pull it out of the bag in time, which is great radio, it's great TV. We all hope to get one of those gotcha moments. But actually, it doesn't unveil hypocrisy. It doesn't unveil deceit or dishonesty in the way that a slightly more forensic line of questioning rather than the gotcha. How much is a pint of milk? You don't know what the pension is. That, that It's all a little bit facile.
2: So let's look at Labour in detail. Labour's manifesto promised to protect the ignored, the vulnerable and the undervalued. Enough about Jeremy Corbyn, though. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the manifesto's popularity led to a huge, unprecedented shift in the polls, a shift that was only eclipsed by the huge, unprecedented shift in Corbynites who now believe in polls. Uh, still, a lot of Labour supporters are now genuinely confident they can actually win the battle that counts now, which is, of course, the one for the most Retweets on Twitter. So, how how do you think you think Labour's? You're very excited about Labour's prospects, then, Josie.
0: Because I really do think the manifesto had a big impact. I've seen that, and I know we can't trust polls, but I have seen that in a bounce in the polls afterwards. Oh. I've seen that in the way that people behave on the doorstep when you're talking to them about Labour Party. Also, I've seen that in the way that. Everyone up to the centre right in this country has reacted to the Labour Party manifesto. What they did with the manifesto was they changed the game. The, um, Conservatives said this election is going to be Brexit and Brexit only. The Labour Party brought this manifesto that is full of hope. It is, you know, it wins on their own terms in terms of the costings and stuff like that. And it's, it's, you know, it's wonderful and positive, right? Uh, I have not seen anyone legitimately criticise the contents of that manifesto, and it's because they can't. Secondly, like I don't think the general public are only looking at Brexit anymore, and I think right, that's right. been Labour's success. I think on the whole now people are saying, "What about the NHS?" People are saying, "What about housing?" And especially with students, like you look at the way that, that young people, you look at the way Corbyn's polling about people under forty, and then it goes to under fifty. Like Bob, you <laughs> seem
2: very inspired
0: by the Corbyn project.
2: <laughs>
4: well, let me tell you something. But, <laughs> but hiding it well. I'm, I'm, I like Jeremy Corbyn. I think he's a I think he's a decent man. I think he's an honest man. My problem, and maybe it's an age thing, and maybe it's the generation that I come from and the background that I come from, is that I can see the ones behind. And I James,
2: are end. you worried by these Stalinist um, <laughs> Stalinists I, behind? I, I know where Bob's um, coming from, and and I,
3: I mean I can just about conjure up enthusiasm for Jeremy Corbyn that was absent when he got when he got the job. I, I'm afraid the day on which I, I can greet the words Home Secretary Diane Abbott with anything other than a shiver is a long, long way off. The weird thing for me, there's two things that are weird. Number one is that in Scandinavia, Corbyn wouldn't be a remarkable politician. His, his agenda would not be radical. It would be relatively straightforward uh, left, leftist, centre-left. It wouldn't even be kind of open to accusations mm-hmm. of communism. And that works in Scandinavia. Scandinavia, in terms of social policy, a lot of other issues, performs a lot better than we do. Basic happiness. And, and what Josie has said speaks to a sense that a lot of people have, and it's not confined to the younger generation that things don't have to be like this. Now, you can have the sinister incarnation of that, which would be Donald Trump. So people who aren't white supremacists, um, because there's no way that everyone who voted for Donald Trump is a a, a kind of stone-cold racist. A lot of other people just thought, well, look, the professional politicians haven't done such a great job. Hillary Clinton was the absolute... Embodiment of what they saw to be professional politicians or what kind of demagogues called the establishment without ever really explaining what they mean. Corbyn, despite having spent almost all of his adult life in Parliament, hits the country as someone who doesn't look like a professional politician. So I think that it doesn't have to be like this idea, is what Corbyn is plugging into. And and if he turns out to be worthy of that faith and that optimism, I can't see a downside to that. I, I'm going to need a little bit more convincing that he is.
2: And what about the point that um, James made that, you know, Diane Abbott as Home Secretary, I mean, so as preposterous as imagining, I don't know, Boris Johnson as Foreign Secretary, I mean, has something crazy <laughs> like that's that. A exactly. Exactly. That's a fair point.
0: I think Diane Abbott is consistently treated with unfairness and bigotry. And I see her as a really admirable, long term, you know, like brilliant MP. And I.
2: Do you think I, she's a good performer, though?
0: Well, I really love The Week or This Week, whatever when she was on with my competition. No. Yeah. I, um, I. Oh, God.
2: Silence. No, <laughs> I'm trying to think <laughs> it. Every broadcaster's nightmare.
0: (laughs) Let's take that, right? So she gets one figure wrong in all the papers for weeks on end, mocked, you know, on all the jokes, mocked, right? Then you have Philip Hammond who has a black hole in his budget and that's let go. You have Conservative politicians who are far less competent than her, who've dealt with a minuscule amount of the pushback and of the prejudice that she's dealt with. Yes, that was a a real highlight. I think the
2: the thing for me, the amazing thing, is just seeing how good at campaigning... Corbin is uh yeah. he's so good I mean and for me as uh, uh someone who was so wanted us to remain that's, it's almost like a when you've got a girlfriend and you've been out with her for three years and she says, no, I don't like Chinese uh, food. And then you see her in a Chinese restaurant with a new boyfriend yeah. and she's loving the Chinese food. You think, well, why wasn't he like that with the referendum? Who was the girl and didn't like the Chinese food, Dave? <laughs> I, I can't let it go. It still hurts. I can't let it
4: go. I mean, this is 30 years ago. The most important election that this country's <laughs>
2: faced in a lifetime And yet, it's still like a. It's amazing how these things stay with you. It's like, yeah, it's like uh, some of the things that Corbyn said back in the day. But my theory is get Corbyn for campaigning and have another leader. For the five years in between, and then Labour, like have Keir Starmer with all the nitty gritty and all the sort of jur- you know juristic stuff in the middle, and then bring he's out strong. strong. But he's
3: not an orator either; he's a campaigner in the in the grassroots. I think I'm told he's never happier than when he's doing sort of photocopying and putting leaflets through letter boxes. And that's not to insult him or criticise him. You also could do with a bit of a Kinnock. So you need three: you need the one who'll okay. stand up and make the speeches, the one who'll put in the grassroots efforts in the town halls, and then the one who'll I do all it. the number crunching. So, three.
4: That's not the <laughs> They also serve who also who only photocopies. <laughs>
2: Three <laughs> leadership campaigns straight after the election. Anyway, whatever happens, it's been good to see the Labour Party finally coming together and uniting in their fight against the real enemy, which is the media, uh, until next week when it'll be the polls again and June the 9th when it'll be the electorate. Strong and stable. And now, for a more detailed look at the two main manifestos, we go live to our reporter, Jonathan Pye. Are you there, Jonathan?
1: And I spat in his chips and I said, you, my friend, are going down! And, uh, haven't spoken to Hugh Edwards since. Is this, is this on? Is this mic on? What, what am I doing? Comparing the two main manifestos. Well, how long do they want me to talk for? Because I can do that in about three seconds. One's chalk and the other one's shit. And yet it's the Labour manifesto that is, according to the media, nonsense, dangerous and legally impossible. Food banks, for example. I mean, it's nonsense, isn't it? Thinking that people deserve a decent meal, especially children. Tories want to abolish school lunches. Sensible policies for a malnourished Britain. Labour want free school meals for primary school kids paid for by removing the VAT exemption for private schools. And mental... I mean, that, that could mean Hermione missing out on the school skiing trip, yeah? What other bonkers policies have Labour come up with? Oh, yes, some social housing. Some. Social housing. Are they mad? Uh, what else? Oh, uh, oh yeah, the, the Tories are lifting the ban on ivory sales. Yeah, fuck the elephants. I endorse a strong and stable economic policy along with a slow, painful death of animals at home and abroad. This is, this is basically the choice. Let's play whose policy is whose. Sawing off bits of elephants or leaving elephants alone. Taxing aristocrats or giving them the right to tear up local fauna while sipping port. Pro-fracking or anti-fracking? Rail nationalisation or higher rail fares? Frozen wages or higher wages in the public sector? An NHS or no NHS? Here's one. Making dementia sufferers pay or not making dementia sufferers pay for their own care? One presumes the Tories' reasoning is these people won't miss what they can't remember having. Tax rises for the rich or tax rises for the poor? Of the main party manifestos, only one has been endorsed by the Daily Mail and The Sun... I'll give you a hint. It's the Tory manifesto. If that isn't reason enough to use it as kindling, I don't know what is. Anyway, should we uh, should we go for a take? What do, what do you mean you're recording? Turn turn that off. I haven't started yet. Jonathan Pye there nailing
2: the politics if not the way a studio works although James James I love the way you can tell you're an experienced radio broadcaster as soon as something's played in you're on your phone you're <laughs> tweeting I don't need I can sort of have 10% that's paying but attention it's
3: not that I pay full attention it's it's the sense at the moment that who knows what's going to have happened in the in the 15 minutes that we've you're been right. sitting in this studio together <laughs> now, I, well I, I think you, you, you said something just before that and, and they play into each other I, I don't think it is um naff to blame the media for everything actually i'm increasing having been a newspaper journalist and if the cards had fallen differently i, I, I gotta pay my bills i could have ended up on the daily mail I, I, I honestly do think that the lens through which politics is viewed in this country is utterly utterly distorted and when you hear that satire though it may be you realize just how distorted it is people persuaded to vote against their own interests because they've been successfully convinced that they're in the category of of winners, and in fact they're not. And you could probably apply that to Brexit as well. So a lot of the stuff in the manifesto that he picked up on is actually good for everybody, but nobody wants to
2: be perceived as needy. They'd rather be perceived as greedy. So let's look at the Tories now, and let's see if I can bring us back to that. Um, The Prime Minister's still crisscrossing the country, meeting people from all sorts of communities, from Tory MPs to Tory councillors to people who work at Tory HQ. Uh, Her supporters deny she's too robotic, although her response on several occasions recently when asked a difficult question has been 404 error. Um, The Tory manifesto, yes, it issued some bold promises to reduce to tens of thousands the number of pensioners in this country by stopping their winter fuel allowance so they freeze to death. And her plan for free school breakfasts also unravelled as it became clear it worked out at about 7p per breakfast. But Theresa May was unfazed, saying she was determined to make a success out of breakfast, that breakfast meant breakfast and no breakfast is better than a bad breakfast. Um, so yeah how are they doing how are the tories how are the tories doing guests i mean they they were conf- james they were confident at first and what, what's what happened they were so
3: confident that they effectively told their core support that they were going to take their houses away and that i mean think about the uh, call it hubris or just call it astonishing astonishing presumption that you could make a announce a policy that's a little bit more nuanced than some of its critics allow but is so fundamentally unconservative um, and, and making life a little bit harder for businesses as well, which, uh, again, you know, went down like a cup of cold sick. And it hasn't worked. I mean, the, the, it is by far the worst Conservative campaign I, I, I can remember seeing. What's she selling? I don't know what it, she's selling. She's, she, she's selling strength and stability. That's already a busted flush. So now th- they're doing what they always do when Linton Crosby's in the box seat and just focusing on the negatives of the opposition. So what you're going to get for the next week, you saw it already in a speech she's given today, all you're going to get is you can't trust Jeremy Corbyn. The terrorism stuff hasn't stuck which surprises me speaks of a ill-informed perhaps or a younger electorate who, who, for whom the ira shadow is not as dark and and, and mm. ugly and uh, no some of the stuff he did with with, with, with pay, fully paid up members of the ira was was fundamentally unforgivable but it hasn't stuck and so they're going to have to look around for something else. And all they're going to come up with is, is, is the general air of shabbiness and, and and incompetence. And that'll be their attack line because they've given up trying to sell her. So now they're, they're re- re- reverting to type and attacking the other. Yes, pilots. just
2: today it's, I saw a sign that actually said, behind her, it said, Theresa May and the Conservatives. Yeah. So it's not just Theresa May's team now. It's no, it's Teresa coming May. up. And that's it's on what the what
4: they did with Rod Stewart and the Faces. <laughs> yes. It's exactly the same. Person. Diana Ross and the
2: Supremes. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah. I think what
4: they did. And that
2: happened just after she U turned on the the dementia tax yeah. Ross, <laughs> yeah. It? So, yeah
4: i think what they what, what they did was they didn't need to have an election but i think they had. i think they had a meeting and they said you know what we we could we could yeah. really smash this lot up here now because everyone we've got break we've got the brexit and we could have an election we only need a month and we could just make it about one thing yeah we just make it about brexit and we could keep saying simple there's jonka and Merkel. who do you want this side mm. Do you want Theresa May, who, if she represents nothing to you at all, gives you a a sniff of Thatcher, and we know how she dealt with the Europeans. No, but that's what people want in Brexit. They want someone like that. What they don't want is a slightly woolly (laughs) sort of bloke with a beard who who could have, I don't know, I think I'll just do what's for the best. So that was the whole point, and I think what shocked them is the fact that over the last few weeks they thought, why are you bringing all this other stuff in? Yeah. It's not yeah. about the NHS. Stop them talking about the NHS. Like it's an election, like some kind of general election, mm. <laughs> has slightly muddied the waters, I think, for a-
2: Josie, how do you feel they're doing?
0: Uh, well, I think they're doing really badly. I really do. They, uh, like you say, there's they have nothing positive to offer. And the things that they're pretending to offer are clearly demonstrated to be like wrong by them but it doesn't seem to case.
2: matter that was the thing at the end of the sort of Paxman interview where she'd she'd been awful and then she just said no deal is better than a bad deal and people she, she could say I'm going to feed every puppy in the land razor blades and people go oh, I don't know about she, that. And do that and then she'll say <laughs> but no deal is better than a good deal let's vote for her and she, I, it's, it's, the it's the rhythms of the language I used to do the Alan Titchmoss show
3: on daytime television and, and the audience were, were slightly seen Yeah. And they'd come in on, <laughs> they'd come in on in Sharabanks from the provinces and sit, sit in the. And you could, we realised after a while, you could get a round of applause regardless of what words you used if you just said them in the right way. So you'd be sitting there saying, and by the and another thing that's very important to remember is that cheese and Branston is the best sandwich ever. And they just all wake up and start clapping. And there's a little bit about that with the Brexit means Brexit and the and the um, No Deal is better than a. But what the hell does that even mean? No Deal is better than a bad deal. One thing I'd say to Josie oddly the dementia tax the social care tax is 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 quite a left wing policy and the idea of all these jeremy corbyn fans cheering the u turn which effectively means that that people lucky enough to have assets in excess of 100,000 pounds had no limit on how much they could end up paying it's ended up it would have been a wealth tax and it's ended up being cheered by people who should be in favor of wealth taxes
0: well- what I would say is it does unfairly punish people With suffering for condition.
3: dementia. Not, well, who need care at home rather than in hospital. Also,
0: it doesn't solve the problem of social care funding. It doesn't solve the NHS crisis. It doesn't solve the social care, like, trouble that we have in this country. So it's all well good to say, oh, well, that's sort of a bit lefty because it's taking money from people, so why aren't you behind it? But you sort of have to look at them both uh, compared to one another. It was an odd thing to cheer. Well, I think it wasn't so much cheering that people were doing. It was pointing out that... Uh, this was a cruel policy I, I,
2: I'm not cheering sure. the, the, that she's the, 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 policy. the policy, I'm cheering the weakness, the demonstration of weakness
0: and yeah the other thing I'd say is that like you know, Labour were putting in progressive, other progressive measures to try and make society more equal, you know they are trying to address structural inequality it's not like they are not doing anything and they're pretending no, and right. then the Tories are doing all this righteous stuff, the Tories do one policy that if you skew it through certain things, it's, it's like something like right to buy like, that you can go oh that's progressive policy but then what they do with it is not progressive in the slightest and then what you know the consequences yeah. of it are not progressive so i just don't trust that even if they're doing something that notionally seems to be cl- uh, shutting the wealth gap that that's therefore going to do it, it and, and you yet they are
2: of- they're, they're going to win and it doesn't matter what they it seems to be what, it doesn't matter what they do you know it's like sometimes you think um, it, it, even foxes would say well I mean they are going to hunt us down and tear us to shreds but I'm not sure about that Jeremy Corbyn you know uh, maybe I'll just vote Theresa May for Strongest Day. you know how is I just I look at look at the shambles of the Tories and look what they've done to the NHS and to schools what have you uh, social care and think how are they going to win and uh, maybe it's the Daily Mail maybe I honestly,
3: but I, I mean, it's Occam's razor. What other reason can there be? And you only have to have a cursory look at some of the stuff in the, the, the editorial line, but also the comments on the on the website, to see that people are living in in cloud cuckoo land. They are utterly, utterly deluded. We but could s- do some
2: uh, good trade deals with cloud cuckoo land. No, no,
3: actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, we need actually, to. Actually, I think go cloud global. cuckoo land have just said that the EU trade deal is their top priority, <laughs> and the UK is going to have to yeah, go to the back it. of the
2: clue, like, like back of the queue, like everybody else. But but are you inspired at all, Bob, to vote Tory this time round? Me?
4: Yeah. If the Tories win the election, I will leave the country. Really? Yeah, I've got a little place in Devon I go to watch the elections. And if it looks... (laughs) Oh, you'll go down to the country? Yeah, it looks as if we're winning by about three o'clock. I'll hop back up to London in case case they they want to do any lunchtime. (laughs) No, I, um... (laughs) My, my, I've always been, and you, you, your politi- your politics uh, are put on you at a very young age, uh, and, and unless you then go to university and and have them change, they stick with you. And at a very young age, I, I, I was, I didn't, I, I didn't like the left. It was mm. As simple as that, it was things that happened in my life. But
2: was, um, it, was it a girl in a Chinese? It restaurant? It was a girl in <laughs> a Chinese restaurant, yes, a
4: falafel restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't have Chinese restaurants back then, um, but no, I just, I, I, I just think that. Here's the thing with Brexit, I think for as as apocalyptic as it felt and as apocalyptic as I can foresee a point similar to the euro, where in five years' time, maybe ten years' time, we will look back and breathe a sigh and think, "Thank God we got out of that while we had a chance." Why? Because I think it's a it's a crumbling edifice. What amazes me, and again, I'm not a, a political scientist, but what amazes me is that people who are quite rightly outraged by um, the old school tie and people looking after themselves and mm. people at the top making sure that they are looked after and all their mates are looked after and the people beneath them can pretty much go to hell because they don't you know they don't care about them. Should not look at, uh, at Brussels and look at the European Union and think that's what that is. And it's not though. It's but a it's, huge. It's, it's, it's a huge. It's, it's flawed and it, and, it,
3: and, it, and it, there's a degree of cronyism there. But but an average consumer of French or German media would simply not recognise the depiction of Brussels that we get spoon-fed.
2: Can I just ask one last thing about the Tories, and that's about national security, um, and how they're um, I think that seems like what they're trying to do now, is they're trying to say, uh, I mean Theresa May said the other day, uh, she said yesterday, Cause I'm thinking about when this is going out. She said <laughs> Theresa May said yesterday that we mustn't send uh, Jeremy Corbyn uh, naked and alone into the negotiating chamber. I, I agree with that. And I, he endorsed yeah. this. I think <laughs> we well, yeah, yeah. have been naked. That's that's a what she said. She she said uh, mustn't. You no, know, he would be naked and alone in the negotiating chamber, which isn't even true. <laughs> if he's going to be naked, everyone else would be naked. Yeah. Tusk. You get your yunkers out. So, but but, um, but anyway, she, so she's trying to say, think of him weak on Brexit, but also national security. Uh, Miss Long, you seem like you want to say something. She
0: fails and fails and fails on her own terms, right? Oh, you know, she cares so much about internet national security that she won't renew um, internet uh, security for the NHS and we get hacked, right? She cares so, so much about um, police numbers that she laughs at people saying, we don't want you to cut the police in 2015. When she was the Home Secretary, on her watch she presided over all these things being cut to ribbons like she's all you can say is she's either lying or she's completely incompetent about it like on her own terms she's not delivering strong and
2: stable Boris Johnson's been busy being hidden from view as much as possible, surfacing only rarely to call Jeremy Corbyn a mugwump, the (laughs) oddest thing anyone's called him apart from this country's next prime minister. Oh, God, I hate being neutral and impartial, (laughs) having a go at both sides. Anyway, so here's our foreign secretary. Uh, Any resemblance to Rory Bremner is entirely coincidental. The sheer scale of this election is, is 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 unbelievable.
5: We have a wonderful policy on on recycling. Uh, for example, our, our our policy to cap the energy company profits that was recycled from Ed Miliband uh, two years ago, and our, and our promise to cut net migration to the tens of thousands has now been recycled twice: once in 2015, and now in our manifesto. And it's still rubbish. Look, Theresa May is quite right. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn is is peddling false claims and fear and 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 scaremongering, and frankly, that is our job. In fact, in fact, we got a whole bus devoted to that. Now, look, I think it, it is vitally important that those of us in the, in the government, in the cabinet, uh, get out and about and travel the length and breadth of this great uh, country. Because if we, if we weren't doing that, uh, we would have to focus our minds on the, on the phenomenal complexities of, of, of Brexit. And the longer uh, we can avoid that, uh, the better, in my view.
2: You're listening to Strong and Stable. I have to say, of all the um, cheekiness uh, that the Tories show with, like, we are the party of working people, as they charge working people to um, uphold workers' rights and tribunal fees, or or mm. all those things that they do, Boris Johnson's tweet the other day saying, you can't trust Corbyn from the man who put on his bus 350000000 hundred million. I, I, I'm, I'm impressed by his cheek. I don't know. You see, you always, they always bring that bus
4: up. And to me, the bus thing is one of the... Is one of the, the kind of dividing things between
2: one... Truth and fiction. Well, no.
4: <laughs> well, between what people think, what, what, the opinion that people have of the electorate and the actual electorate. Yeah. People were under the impression that people saw that bus and said en masse, ah, now you've got to vote for that because every week we'll have 35 million quid, wherever it was. Right, whereas most people in this country they may not be politically eloquent, but they do know yeah life don't work like that if you're, if i'm on my ass and i've got I'm paying this two hundred quid a week, I have to pay that back for that bailiff thing. Once that's, fi- once that's finished, I haven't suddenly got 200 quid extra. There's, o- there's other stuff that
2: oh, needs paid. Oh, a, a, peop- a lot of people mm. have said, I voted because... That's even it. in that debate, yeah, even in that debate, uh, the Paxman debate, one of the questions said, I voted for Brexit because of the 350 million. And where do you I think mean, they got the number from?
3: The 350 million, this is allegedly the gross contribution that we make, and then you have to subtract all of the subsidies, all of the benefits, all of the soft benefits that you can't put a price on. They, you read Dominic Cummings, who, who was heading up um, the Vote Leave campaign. You read him on how they came up with that number and why. And and I think I think, Mr. Mills, some scales may fall from your eyes.
4: Yeah, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was battered as much as people thought. I still think if you go to
3: most people who voted Brexit and said, "Why did you do it?" I don't think, no, mate. They think there's a pot of money that we're currently pissing up the wall. Pardon my French, and suddenly we're going to be able to spend it on the NHS. The bottom line is that when we come out, we will almost certainly be worse off. So even if there was a pot of money that we were wasting, it's going to be empty. Josie, what, just quick, what quickly, I would say is
0: doubtless um, these claims are influential, even if people don't believe them wholesale. Mm, exactly. I was talking to a lady on the day of the vote uh, on the train back down from Scotland, and we had a long chat because she voted Brexit, and obviously I voted Remain, and she was saying to me that she was a Labour Party voter and the reason that she did it was because of the NHS and I was very upset and I was like but obviously you must know that that bus thing is a lie and she went I'm not stupid of course I do but I do think there'll be more money for the NHS now and basically what had happened was all of this campaign still influences your thinking. It's the same with the fact that you know you've got the Daily Mail, you've got people's parents who say oh I don't read the Daily Mail in earnest, I read it for fun but the drip, drip, drip is still influential. It's like the fact that you've got people who were convinced that Jeremy Corbyn is one thing, see him speak and then change their minds, they may well not consider themselves to be supporters of the media that vilify him, but it affects you because it's the discourse. No one's immune to it. And so the fact that they made these claims over and over again, it gets in there somehow.
1: Strong and stable.
2: So I just want to end with a quick-fire round. Uh, So just uh, tell me, I'm going to give you a a, a pair to choose from and uh, just tell me which is your preference. Uh, Are there points? Sorry? Are there points? There are points, and points mean no prizes. Right. So,
3: yeah. yeah. I I
2: guarantee £350 million a week for you if you win this. Yeah. Make it worth it for me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Josie, strong or stable?
0: Uh, I'll go for strong. Strong.
2: Very... Is correct. (laughs) Uh, uh, Bob, Diane Abbott or Boris? Boris, 100%. James, uh, private or state-owned? State-owned. Okay, thank you. Uh did say
0: which state, he means the French state. Well for this is trials. the other
2: this is the other Daily Mail thing, isn't it? Yes. Is
3: that we Britain <laughs> we cannot have state owned utilities in this country unless they're owned by the German state or the
2: French state or, or the, the Chinese Dutch state or the
3: Chinese state, in which case by Q. Form an orderly queue, boys. It's all up for sale.
2: I like I like everything lights a touch a touch <laughs> touch paper? What's it yeah, what?
0: uh, yes. touch Is it touch, touch paper?
2: Touch yes. paper? Yes. I've That's never done manual that. labour blue in my life. I've never lit a touch paper in my life in the world. Blue touch paper. Not red touch paper, blue. <laughs> the only one that's effective. That's, that's, but that's also the only thing that causes things to explode yeah. and go up in the air. <laughs> uh, Liam Fox or an actual fox, Bob? <laughs>
4: I, I, I'm a am I'm, You I are like really foxes. thinking about No, that. I do like foxes, actually. I'm, I've got a couple around my house, and uh, I've grown to love them.
2: They don't I make noise, do they? <laughs> I, they look,
4: but I, I, I like that. Do they get your chickens? Yeah, kill my chickens. So do
2: you actually approve of the uh, they're uh, fox hunting... Uh, uh, they're uh, the verming. one Tory, I, I, one Tory I, I, thing, thing you approve d- d- of? I describe myself as anti-anti. I find
3: some of the anti-fox hunting antics pretty uh, unpleasant, but not enough to, to be able to be comfortable with the idea of bringing fox hunting back. Okay. Uh, Except for the one that killed
2: my chickens. Chickens, which yeah. I happily kill myself yeah. with my bare hands. <laughs> right, okay, right. So it's fine to hunt foxes as long as you then strangle them with your bare hands. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Theresa May or Theresa May shampoo.
0: <laughs>
2: you can see this is getting this is getting sillier. Uh, you don't have to answer that one. And finally, Josie, deal or no deal?
0: I'll take no deal. No deal's better than any other deal. No, That's talent. the best. Okay.
2: And uh, just, uh, just if I go around and just ask, what are your predictions for um, election, post-election, Bob? You got any predictions? Anything you think? I think that the Conservatives are probably going to win
4: because I think they're starting from a position where it'd be almost impossible to. But let's say they don't. Be and, and let's say they don't. I think the worst possible scenario. I would rather have. The, I would rather have the Labour uh, Party winning. I'd rather have the Liberal Democrats winning. The worst possible scenario is is a hung parliament, and that horrible thing that we went through with Cameron and Clegg, where where anything that happens can be justified by saying, "Yeah, but we're not in, we're in yeah. a coalition." I think I think that is the the ugliest thing that could happen to this country.
2: Really, what people coming together to compromise no, in the middle? Yeah, now they don't None come compromise. They <laughs> don't come together and so compromise. Much. <laughs> They they come together and fudge. Well, I think I think some of the fudging that happened that the Lib Dems holding the Tories back. When you see what the Tories did when they were released from the Lib Dems fudge, I thought let's get some more fudge, James. Anything? Yeah, I'll go the opposite direction on that.
3: I think I think the Tories will win probably more comfortably than than the more optimistic Corbyn supporters are acknowledging at the moment. But I I think I think in the next five years you're going to see the Labour Party in its current form um,
2: end. Okay, thank you. And Josie, you're. How is that
0: more optimistic? It's not, I didn't say it was more
2: optimistic. I so said they're, they're going to do a <laughs> lot better. More than, optimistic than the whole world ending, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. the, the um, Trump scenario.
0: I'd rather, instead of predicting, I'd rather say, I know I'm earnest, but just keep fighting until the election and don't give up. And if, you know, if the well. Conservative. <laughs> we are not saying that. You got, but, but also, what I'd say is. If the Conservatives do win, even with a big majority, what I would say is a whole generation has been politicised by this and there is a clear generational divide that says that people under a certain age are much more open to left-wing ideas and are much more open to progressive ideas. And do you know what I also think? I think that no one can say, oh, it's as bad as 1983 because I think Corbyn's done a much better job. I think this manifesto is brilliant and I think it wouldn't have happened without Corbyn and I think that is a game changer for me, no matter what. Great. Thanks. I'm so
2: serious. No, I'm so but, sorry. But, yeah, but I'm I'm inspired by you. Thank you. So thanks to all of all my guests, Josie Long, James O'Brien and Bob Mills. Also to Robin Flavel and Andrea Mann for some jokes. Uh, tell Tweet, Facebook, all your friends about us so we can be listened to by the many, not the few. I wish we'd had time to talk about the Lib Dems, but frankly, does it matter? And remember, don't forget to vote on June the 8th unless you're planning to vote UKIP, in which case you can do it online on June the 9th. This podcast has been brought to you by That Lot for Deezer. Goodbye! That was Strong and Stable.
4: We'll catch you next time. Please subscribe.
2: Deezer Deezer. Originals.